Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love for each and every one of us. And we ask right now that you would prepare our hearts to receive from you, Lord. We know that you speak to us through your word and by your spirit it comes alive. And so we ask that you would just direct everything that is said. Lord, I just yield myself, my tongue, my thoughts to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. And we know that you will hit the mark of each person's heart exactly where it needs to be. And so we thank you in advance. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to, as I shared earlier, um, I'm going to just share briefly this morning uh, a little bit more on fasting. Fasting is, is something that uh, some people have practiced and some haven't, and some have uh, heard of fasting, and some have said, what is fasting all about? And, and biblically speaking, fasting is really just uh, abstaining from food and it's drinking water. And uh, there's healthy ways of fasting, and if you don't want to eat a huge meal and then just start fasting from that point, you don't want to break a fast. Uh, you don't want to be fasting for several days and then go out and eat a bunch of steak or something like that because your tummy won't be happy. And there's, uh, there's some pamphlets on the Connection Center that just give some, uh, some counsel, some good literature there on fasting, on a healthy way to do it. And, of course, you can always Google uh, fasting, and uh, there's ways to to do it in a healthy manner. And if you Google fasting, you'll see that there's, you'll discover that there's many different reasons that people fast. Uh, I touched on this real briefly last week that some people fast for political reasons. They go on like a hunger, a hunger strike and, and they want to make a statement to the government or uh, to the city officials or something or they don't like a policy that's been presented or uh, the way that some things are being run. And so some people go on a political uh, hunger strike and Others will fast for health reasons. And I know that several of you have fasted for health reasons. And there's something about our body that uh, there's a cleansing that can take place. And again, if you, if you do a little research, you can find out that there's all kinds of junk in our bodies and we put all kinds of different foods in and, and everything's not healthy. Are we in agreement on that? And so sometimes that cleansing can just purify. It does, it does wonders in our blood system. Just like if you flush out a radiator system with, uh, in an engine with some, uh, uh, some uh, liquids to, to clear it out, the gunk, it gets out. And I've even heard recently of a, of a person who had a growth on their leg, and after an extended fast, I think it was a few weeks of fasting, that you see the body starts to, the, the body starts to eat away at the junk, the toxins, and that growth went away. It just disappeared. And uh, so maybe, uh, maybe that's uh, an avenue that you want to do a little bit more exploring just for your physical body, your energy. And, and uh, so there's, there's medical reasons that people fast, and there's many benefits to that. And, and then, of course, there's the religious reasons. Uh, when we look into the whole religion and spirituality, we'd see that if you were a, a good practicing Mormon, you would fast the first Sunday of each month. That's what a good Mormon does. Um, if you're a, a, a good practicing Buddhist or a, or a Hindu, you would fast for six days a month. That's what they do. If you were a Muslim, if you were part of the uh, followed Islam and, and, and that religion, uh, you would fast during the month of Ramadan, and you would, there were several other days that you would be fasting throughout the year. And, and these are practices. This is a really a big pillar in Islam. And, and they believe that in fasting you become righteous and you're avoiding, avoiding the future punishment in the afterlife. And so there's a lot, of, a lot built into that in the, in the, in the Baha'i faith. 
Uh, 19 days in the month of March they fast. And so we see in different religions, uh, fasting is a very important part. And, and in Christianity, we have what, what a lot of people call Lent. And Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter. And, and a lot of churches in our region, they fast. And uh, a lot of them don't fast completely of all food uh, and just drink water. Some might fast from chocolate or uh, you know, sweets or candy or coffee. And so some people give things up for Lent. And how many of y'all ever gave up something for Lent? Okay, so I mean, it, it's very common and, and it, it's abstaining to, to heighten our awareness of what God wants to do. And, and so we have all these different uh, religious practices. And, and I'd like to look this morning a little bit deeper into what does the Bible say about fasting? What, is, what does it say about, you know, should I fast? Is there any advantage or what's, what's the whole point of fasting? Is, it's not just to lose weight or, or to, have a, uh, to feel more physically fit. But what does the scripture say? You know, when we look into the pages of scripture, we see throughout the Bible people humbling themselves through fasting and we see God responding. And so, so something was produced, there was a reaction, something resulted from fast. When people fasted, God responded. We, we read of that th- scripturally, we look through the Old Testament. Uh, last week we touched on the book of Ezra, this man, this priest in Israel who was, who was actually captive. He was part of the exile in Babylon and he was going to be leading a couple thousand people back to Jerusalem and, and he proclaimed a fast. And everybody fasted and, and then God gave them wisdom and direction. We read of, of, of Queen Esther. Maybe you're familiar with the story of Esther. And, and Esther uh, called for a fast, and, and the king showed her favor. Remember, he held out the, the, the scepter, and, and so she was going to approach the king, and it's like, you just don't do that without an invite. And so she says, hey, everybody fast for me. And so this was the result. We read of Nehemiah. He fasted. And the king gave him favor. And, and so we see this, this idea of favor, seeking favor from God in fasting. We read of King David. King David committed adultery and a child was born and, and a child was sick. And so what did David do? He fasted. He, 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 he fasted. He humbled himself before God. And, and he was hoping that, that God would show him favor and the child wouldn't die. We read of the people of Nineveh. The people of Nineveh, they responded to the prophet Jonah's message. Jonah came and said, God is bringing judgment upon y'all. And, and you need to change your hearts and change your lives. And, and, the, and, and the, it was a, one of the greatest moves in the Old Testament of a revival that took place. And people responding to the, to the Spirit of God just through one man who had, who had a lousy, stinking attitude, actually. And he had a stinking body because he just got vomited out of a fish. And yet the people responded and they humbled themselves and, and they, 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 they fasted, they called a fast. And what was the result? God spared them of this judgment. And so we see repeatedly throughout this, the Old Testament this pattern of, of divine favor as a response to people fasting. But here's where we need to be careful and remember that, that fasting is not a tool to manipulate God. And a lot of people have this mindset, I believe, that if I do this, then God will do that. And we could look in the Old Testament and say, well, this is, it worked for them, it's going to work for me. I need to hear from God, so I'm going to fast. And it's kind of like you put a quarter in the machine and, and you get a product out. And so if we fast for a day or if we fast for a week, then God's going to do this for me. 
And we have to be careful that we don't develop that mindset. It's, it's not a formula to get God to do something. How many of y'all ever had a child just out of the blue, like they clean their bedroom and they wash the dishes and they put the laundry away? And it's like, okay, what do you need, right? I don't remember that happening too much at our house. But anyway, I mean, in theory, it's like, okay, what's the favor? Come on, you don't just, you're, you're doing this for a reason. And, and, and really, when you think about it, fasting is not a bargaining chip to use in our walk with God. In fact, when we look into the New Testament, fasting is more about fervor than favor. And I'd like to just talk about this a little bit. Last week, I, I touched based briefly on Mark chapter 2. In Mark's Gospel in chapter 2, we read of Jesus having an encounter with some people. And, and these people came up to Jesus and they said, the disciples of John fast, and, the, and of the Pharisees, they fast. But they were questioning Jesus. And they said, how come your disciples don't fast? So they had a little bit of an issue with that. And, and so listen how Jesus responded. It's in Mark's Gospel chapter 2 in verse 19. It says, Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? He said, As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So Jesus uses the word bridegroom three different times. And, and, and everything that Jesus shares is intentional. A bridegroom spring, speaks of a marriage. It speaks of being close. It speaks of intimacy, doesn't it? He uses this phrase, a bridegroom. And Jesus is saying fasting will be, will be driven by a hunger for intimacy with me. When I'm taken away, there's going to be a longing for intimacy with me. And he uses the phrase bride and, or bridegroom. Notice that Jesus didn't call himself the king. When the king is removed from your presence, he didn't say the ruler or the almighty Lord. He didn't say when the sovereign, omnipotent one is removed from your presence, then people will fast. That's not what he said. Now friends, all of these things are true of Christ. But in the context about fasting, Jesus didn't say that the, the days will come when the Lord of hosts will be removed. And then the, my subjects will, will cry out to me. They'll fast. He didn't say that. He, he didn't say, when I'm gone, my servants will long for my power. And they'll long for my, for my protection and they're going to come into my presence. He essentially said, they're going to hunger for intimacy. They're going to hunger for my presence. They're going to hunger for closeness and, and, and like a bride would for her groom. This is the picture that he's, he's given them. Remember, the next words out of Jesus' mouth was the illustration of the new wine in an old wineskin. He said, something's got to change in your approach to, to this, this idea of fasting. You see, uh, again, throughout the ages, fasting was a means to favor with God. People were searching out uh, uh, favor, his mercy, God's guidance, his protection. They wanted something from God. They wanted favor. Think about it, friends. Queen Esther. She says, please fast for me. I'm going to go to the king. In other words, she was like, maybe God will extend his hand of mercy and soften the, the heart of this king who, who's not a, a, a God worshiper. 
Maybe, maybe God will work on his heart. When, when we read of, of, of Hannah, Hannah was the mother of Samuel and, and she was barren. She couldn't have children and, and she, she cried out in prayer and fasting. She's thinking, perhaps God will extend His hand of mercy and I'll, be, I'll become pregnant and, and life will come from within me. We read of David. He was fasting, hoping that God would heal his child. Maybe God will heal this one if I fast. And so he's looking for this divine favor. Ezra, fast, so God gives us wisdom. And, and he says, everybody fast. We need God's direction and, and protection here. And so the Old Testament has these examples for us to learn from, but we must never forget. These folks and all these examples from the Old Testament are, are, are people who lived before the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So do we need to approach fasting different than the folks in the Old Testament? You see, when they fasted, the folks in the Old Testament, they were hoping that God would respond with some sort of favor. In, in their minds, and in sometimes it's, it's actually written in Scripture, perhaps God will give us wisdom. Perhaps He will. And so they fasted. Per, per, perhaps God will give us the, pro, the provision that we need. If we fast, perhaps God will extend his hand of mercy. Perhaps. He might. So, so let's fast and see if God will do this. Perhaps God will do something about this sickness. So let's, let's not eat. Let's just, let's just drink water and abstain from eating food. And, and the hunger in our hearts will maybe resonate within the heavenlies and perhaps God will, will do something about sickness. Or perhaps God will forgive us if we fast. Perhaps God will bring life from within me. Perhaps God will do something about this enemy that, that wants to ravage and destroy our families. This opposition that is coming against us. Perhaps if we fast, God will do something about these powers of darkness. And friends, the, these folks would humble themselves before God and they would say, God, we're desperate for, to see your hand at action. We need these provisions. We, we need you to act on our behalf. Please, God. And, and, and so they would cry out with this prayer and fasting and humbling themselves before God. Well, friends, God did something much greater than acting on their behalf. You see, we've got the whole word. Okay, so they're crying out and saying, God, we need this. God, we need that. God, we need this. God, we need that. God did something so much greater than any one of them could have ever imagined. You see, instead of God responding to the people like a soldier handing out water bottles to, to people who are thirsty and off the, the military truck. Here's a bottle, here's a bottle, here's a bottle. The Lord just released rivers of living water. More than just a water bottle. Rivers of living water. Friends, he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. You see, Jesus is the source that fills every longing within the human heart. This is what God did. He sent His Son. So we can ask ourselves the question, do we need to hope? Do we need to hope that God will extend His hand of mercy? Do we need to pray and say, God, will you send your hand of mercy? Friends, He already has. The person is Jesus Christ. Right? So do we need to, do we need to cry out and say, God, will you do something about sickness? Will you do something about sickness? And do we need to fast and say, God, make a provision for sickness? Friends, He already has. 
He did it on the cross, right? By His stripes we were healed. Past tense. Amen? This is what His Word says. And do, we need to, do we need to hope that God will forgive us? Do we need to put sackcloth and ashes and, and, and mourn and, and say we're not going to eat because perhaps God will, will make a provision for forgiveness? He's already done that. He's already done it. He did it at the cross. Do we, do we need to hope that God will do something about the powers of darkness and the enemy and the opposition that keeps coming against our families and against our relationships and our marriages and our finances and our health and, and all of the junk that the enemy throws at us? Do we have to beg and plead and fast for God to do something about this enemy that is destroying our families? Friends, He already has. It's called the resurrection. Amen? It's called the day of Pentecost. He's given us what we need. We're already victorious. We're New Testament. We can look back at the provision that's been made. It sounds to me like we already have God's favor. Amen? We, we already have His favor. You see, I would suggest fasting since the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which includes us today, that it isn't so much about receiving favor from God as much as receiving revelation from God as to the favor He's already provided for us. That's already here. That's already here. I, I, I've got a picture that we're going to put up on the screen. Right? Now. This is justice, right? How many of y'all have ever met justice? A few of you. This is the police canine dog here in Pulaski. We just got this dog about uh, less than a year ago. And we are told that a dog's nose is about, I've heard as much as 100,000 times more sensitive than the human nose. Okay, so this dog can, can sniff out drugs. I've seen him do it. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a ride-along with one of the police officers, and that dog went around the car and laid down right where, that, where the drugs were in the vehicle. Sniffed it out. Could sniff out residue in drugs, in cars. So we're not going to have him check the parking lot. Would anybody start getting nervous right about now? We're going we're to call justice in, and he's going to go. Nobody goes into the school district here. A while back, I was, I was with Justice, a beautiful dog, and, and I, I walked, it was, it was at night, I walked a, a, along a row of trees, and then I went to the right, and then I made another turn, and another turn, and I came back. And then the officer, the handler, let the dog out. I gave him my, or he got the whiff of my car keys, and that dog just went right on my tracks, exactly. And he made a complete circle, or it wasn't a circle, it was a jagged path and he just kept his nose right to the ground. You see, my scent was there. We couldn't see it. We couldn't smell it. But that dog could. And in the same way, you see, he can come into this room and he can sniff stuff out that we can never sniff. It's there, but it's beyond the natural. And you see, friends, when we fast, how many of you ever fasted and you could smell food like a mile away? <laughs> right? I mean, and you can distinguish that is lasagna. Somebody is really being mean. The neighbor's cooking lasagna while I'm fasting. I mean, really. But you could, our senses are, are enhanced multiple times over. What has God already given us? It's there. 
It's waiting for us to, to discover it. And you see, friends, that's what I would suggest fasting is about. It isn't trying to get God to do something. It's asking him to give us an awareness of what he's already provided for us. It, it, it's informing us of it's here. It's like if this room was, was full of, of supplies and the lights were off and you walked in, you wouldn't be able to see it, but you, you take a flashlight and things are illuminated. And that's what fasting does. It illuminates what we have. It illuminates what, what the provisions that God has made for us. In 2 Peter, in chapter 1 and verse 2, powerful passage of Scripture. Peter writes, Grace What's grace? Grace is unmerited favor. It's favor. God's favor. God's empowering. It's something we don't deserve. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is what Peter's writing to to fellow believers. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things is quite a bit through the knowledge of him who called us by his by glory and virtue by which uh, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature that's a powerful passage of scripture he says grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge in other words the illumination the, the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. How many of y'all want grace multiplied in your life? It's through the knowledge, it's through the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. All things that pertain to life and godliness, all things covers everything, and it's through the knowledge of Him. And friends, this is what fasting enhances. It, it heightens our awareness. In James chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. So our senses are, are, are enhanced, and, and, and fasting, it, it, it creates a, a, an awareness of, of our oneness with Christ. And what, is, what does that mean? And, and, and Jesus said, in that day, they will fast. So fasting, friends, is really part of kingdom living. If you read through the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, when you do charitable deeds, and he, and he gives a little bit of a, of, of a, he expounds that when you do charitable deeds, and, and so we would all agree in here, I'm sure, that, that we should do charitable deeds. We should, we should be the hands and the feet of Christ. And then he goes on to say, and when you pray, and he gives instruction on prayer, and that's where it's what's referred to as the Lord's Prayer, and we sang a, a, a couple lines of that prayer that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven and so we say <clears throat> of course we, we're going to pray it's not a, a matter of of might we pray he says when you do your charitable deeds when you pray when you pray and then he says and when you fast it's like a given he didn't say if you fast he said when you fast and he gives some instruction so when you fast and and, and this is something that the apostle paul understood and the Apostle Paul, he wrote in his second letter to the Corinthians that he fasted often. He said he was hungry, he said he was thirsty, and those were not his choices. In addition to being hungry and thirsty, he said, I was in fastings often. In other words, it was voluntarily. He, he chose, he willfully abstained from food. And, and did God give him revelations? 
Did God give the Apostle Paul revelation? The Apostle Paul was not one of the 12 disciples. I, I, maybe you know that, maybe you don't, but he didn't, he didn't hang around Jesus. He didn't follow Jesus around and study him and take notes. He was a Pharisee who, who could care less about Jesus up until a certain point. When he had an encounter with Jesus, though, this is after the resurrection, Jesus changed his life. He started off his walk with three days of fasting right away, right off the bat. But then he's, he's in prayer and, he, and fastings often, he said. You know where we got most of the New Testament? From a man who fasted, the Apostle Paul. What did he write? He wrote, he wrote Romans and First and Second Corinthians and First and Second Thessalonians and Colossians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and First and Second Timothy. He wrote, all, he wrote so much of our New Testament. Where did he get all that knowledge? Where did he get all that insight into who, who Jesus is? I mean, think of, of, of this person who did not physically walk with Jesus and he, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He had these revelations. Think of, of, of Paul fasting often and it was revealed to him who Jesus is. What did Paul write about Jesus? He said that he is the image of the invisible God. Paul said he is our hope. Paul he wrote he is our Redeemer. He is our King. He is our Savior. He is our peace. He is the head of the church. Do you think Paul read that in a book? Absolutely not. It was through personal revelation from this man who fasted often. There's nobody else in the New Testament that says they fasted often, but Paul did. And Paul gets this revelation of, of who the person of Jesus Christ is. Friends, do we have a complete understanding of this? Do we have a complete 100% thorough understanding of who the person of Jesus Christ is? Well, what if that understanding is found in fasting? The Apostle Paul, this man who, who wasn't boasting, but he said, I, I fast often. He understood what Jesus has done. He wrote, he wrote in, in his letter to Timothy that, that of Christ, he gave himself a ransom for all people. He understood what that meant. He, he, wrote, he wrote that he, speaking Jesus, or God has made us alive together with Christ having forgiven you all trespasses. This wasn't just a theory in, in the mind of Paul. He knew it. it was, he knew it, and he was writing from his convictions. He knew what he was writing. He wasn't thinking, yeah, I don't know about this. This is what they say. No, he, he knew it. He was writing from personal revelation. He said that, he, that we are complete in Christ. We are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Paul wrote that he has shed his blood for our redemption. Paul wrote that his blood was shed in establishing a new covenant with God the Father and the Son. A new covenant. And Paul's writing these things. He understood them. And friends, the question is, do we have a complete understanding of what Christ has done? And could fasting help us to get a better grasp of what Christ has done and the provision that's been made for us? Fasting. I think of this, the person of the Apostle Paul. He had insight into what Jesus is doing. He wrote in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21. Speaking of Christ, he said, He is seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and power and authority and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's talking to the Father about us. He's talking to the Father about you, 
about me. He's interceding on our, on, on our behalf. He is empowering his followers to, to exercise the authority that's in his name. The Apostle Paul got that. We read in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul would, would say to somebody who was demonized, who was in bondage, he said, in the name of Jesus, be freed. And people were being set free. He wasn't just using that name. He didn't read that in a book. He didn't read it on the internet. He got a download from Jesus himself that there is power, that there is authority released in the name of Jesus. Paul got that. He understood that. Do we have a complete understanding of what Jesus is doing now? Or is this discovered through fasting? Paul fasted often. Through Revelation, Paul also understood what Jesus will do. Paul wrote that he's going to return. He's going to come back in glory and power. He's going to come back to judge the living and the dead. That every grave will hear his voice. He's, that every person will stand before him. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Paul wrote that. Was he thinking, that's just, I'm thinking that might happen? No, he knew. He had a revelation. He, this intimacy with the Lord was fostered in prayer and fasting. Do we understand everything that, that is going to be coming down the pike for us? What should our response to that be? And friends, what if that understanding is found in fasting? Before Jesus was crucified, he, he spoke of the sending of the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 13, He said, He will guide you into all truth. This is what the Holy Spirit will do. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. This is what Jesus said. For he, he will take what is mine and He will declare it to you. So Jesus instructs the, the Holy Spirit to speak to us the will of the Father. That's His plan. But are we recognizing the voice of the Spirit? In James chapter 4 and verse 5, it says, The Spirit who dwells in us yearns with jealousy. With, with jealous, he yearns jealously. The Spirit of God is within the hearts of the believer. What does he want? What is he, what is he jealous over? He wants airtime for Jesus Christ, he wants Jesus to be glorified in our temples. And, 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 and he's crying out, I want to see Jesus glorified in your life. That's what he's saying to me. That's what he's saying to each one of us. Now, I don't know if the Holy Spirit is kind of getting squished in the stomach because there's always food crammed around him. I don't know. That's just an image. Maybe you need to erase that image. Empty out the stomach and the Holy Spirit can say, Yay, finally! Hey, how about hungering for Jesus? Hunger for Jesus. Hunger for Jesus. I want to see Jesus glorified in your life. He's, he's, he's yearning within us. He dwells within us and he yearns jealously. You see, as Paul fasted, he came to see the work of the Spirit in him and in us, in believers. When we, when we fast, our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's voice is, is magnified. Paul understood this. Paul understood what it meant to be, to be led by the Spirit. Again, it wasn't theory. It wasn't something he heard through the grapevine. He understood what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He understood that. He, under, he understood what the anointing of the Holy Spirit was all about. He understood the gifts of the Spirit, and, and he understood the fruit of the Spirit. He understood what it meant to be sealed by the Spirit. He understood the power of the Holy Spirit. He knew these things personally. 
through revelation, this man who fasted, do we have a complete understanding of this? Friends, what if our effectiveness as individuals and as a church body was enhanced through recognizing the activity of the Holy Spirit, not only within us, but around us? We could change this world. It's being changed, but it's just think of how that could be enhanced in our workplaces, in our services where we come together, in our schools, and in, and in the marketplace and where we interact with people. And what if that understanding is found in fasting? What if fasting is the, is the doorway into that deeper realm of intimacy that your heart so longs for? And we say, you know what, I never opened that door. I've studied the Word, I've gone to church, I've done this, I've done that, but I've never, I've never just said, okay, no more food for a while. I want to hunger for Him and nothing else. And as I mentioned last week, after the first two to three days, usually hunger dissipates. Fourth day, fifth day, first, second, third week. You, you don't get hungry. Hunger leaves you. So some people think, oh my gosh, I'm going to be just so starving for, for weeks on end. That's not how it works. And for those of you who have fasted for more than a few days, you realize that hunger dissipates. And it goes away and clarity comes. And, and that we get tuned in and we say, okay, Lord, I understand what you're saying. And that intimacy is enhanced. It's deepening. An increased confidence in him grows as we seek his face. I think of unbelief. I think of as we fast, as we hunger for him, it brings greater revelation of Jesus. And a greater revelation of Jesus increases our faith. It increases our confidence in him. That's what fasting does. And friends, when we have a greater confidence, when we have a greater faith in the person of Jesus Christ, what happens to unbelief? It starts to decrease. And the more that, that unbelief decreases, the, the limitless possibilities begin to increase. Amen? So when we hunger, when we thirst for Him, we get a greater revelation. A greater revelation feeds more faith and confidence which, which really squeezes out unbelief. When Jesus said, if you have the, the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed. He said, nothing will be impossible for you. The question we need to wrestle with, is he really a rewarder of those who diligently seek him or not? He is. He, he so is. So how long should we fast? Should we fast for a day? Should we fast for a week or a few days or just a meal? That's between you and God. Ask him. Or just start. Just start. Start somewhere. Do a tenth of your meals. That's, if, if you eat 21 uh, meals a week, seven days a week times three, that would be two meals a week. So you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this aside a time for prayer and fasting instead of eating. Or maybe you, you, you want to go into an extended fast for a week. You're thinking, a week without eating? I'll die. You won't die. If you die, we're going to have a beautiful funeral right here. <laughs> you won't die. And again, if you have medical conditions or there's things that, that you need to eat food with, with some treatments or something, use wisdom. Talk to your doctor. But friends, most people have never tried it. They said, I might get a headache. Well, you, you might. Is it worth it? Is it worth a greater revelation of the person of Jesus Christ? You see, friends, fasting keeps our flesh in submission to where it belongs. 
Anointing comes through, through the crushing process. Anointing oil. In the Old Testament, they made anointing oil through crushed, crushed olives. Something, something was crushed. And, and, and could it be that, what if we allowed our appetites for food to be crushed? And saying, more of you and less, less of me. You see, one thing we have in common with those in the Old Testament that fasted, when people fasted, the powers of darkness lost territory. And that's still the same today. Because when we get a greater revelation of the person of Jesus Christ, we're going to walk in more confidence. We're going to walk in that assurance. We're going to walk in boldness. And the powers of darkness, the territory that the enemy is trying to take from all around us, right here in northeast Wisconsin, it, it, it suffers. Fasting leads to kingdom expansion. It brings revelation. It fuels it. Would you bow your heads with me, please? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for revealing us, revealing to us through your word something so elementary and yet so profound. This doesn't come with maturity, spiritual maturity. Well, maybe after I walk with God for years, then I'm ready for that. No, it can happen today. It can happen starting tomorrow. It can start next week. This is something, Lord, that every one of us are privileged to do. You give us the ability to say, I want to expedite the process of dying to self. Father, I pray right now if there's even one person in this room who hasn't surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, that this morning would be the morning they would say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to live in me and I need to die to myself. I need to die to my ambitions and to die to my goals and, and I need to step off the, the, throne room of my, the throne of my heart and allow you that place. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. That you would put a, an awareness that would just stay there that when we fast, we get a greater glimpse of who you are. And that's our motivation. It's that intimacy with you. So we ask that you would stir that up within your body within your church that we can know you more that we can trust you more that we can be more bold in your name that we can understand what you've given us what you we can understand who you are and what you've done and, and what you want to do we thank you for this very simple recipe for drawing closer to your heart Just with your heads bowed and, and eyes closed, just ask the Lord to reveal to you 
and to put a desire within you for more of him. For more of him. Just take a few moments. your name. Father, we thank you for this natural 
hunger that you put in our bodies. And may that appetite for food be an ongoing reminder of your appetite for intimacy with us. When we say, oh, I'm hungry, that you would just bring to our memories your hungry for time with us. And we win from that. You just want to bless us. You want to envelop us with your goodness. We thank you for that constant invitation that's out in front of every one of us. Lord Jesus, when we face you one day, we don't want to say, oh, oh, why didn't I pursue you more? We'll never be able to come back and say, well, had I known. So give us that desire and we thank you for the results that will be coming. For your name's sake. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?